Josh Holiday, and you're listening to the Fresh Coast Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Annie Stout, a multidisciplinary artist in Midland, Michigan. And on this podcast, we'll talk about her work as a professional artist working in this state and her success in coaching others through the creative process. This podcast was made possible through the generous support of the Cultural Advocacy Network of Michigan, the Michigan Arts and Culture Council, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We're bringing you the latest stories and headlines on arts and culture here in the Fresh Coast State, our beautiful home in Michigan. Let's dive right in. Annie, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Annie, you're doing incredible work here in the Great Lakes Bay region um, and just launched a recent artistic project. But I want to go back to the start because um, I know that you work in a vast array of uh, projects and activities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like I've always been an artist. I have people ask, you know, when when did that start? I think it just was always that way. Um, my mom loves to tell the story of she had to go buy me a box of crayons like every two weeks because I just never stopped coloring and creating and making things even when I was really little. Um, but I, I grew up in Shelby Township, which is Metro Detroit area. Um, took every single class for art that I could during middle school and high school and um, ended up at Central Michigan University for college and was just, I think obsessive is kind of a good word to describe my relationship with art. Um, I wanted to take as much as I could and learn as many different things as I could. So I remember sitting down with my course book and going, okay, I need this many credits to graduate. How many different majors can I squeeze into this time while I'm here? Um, so when I finished, I actually ended up with two bachelor's degrees. I have a bachelor of applied arts where I majored in graphic design and sculpture uh, with a minor in art history. And then I also stayed on an extra year to get a teaching degree. So even though I've never worked as an art teacher, I, I had that extra education. So art education, K through 12, and then industrial education, six through 12 was uh, everything that I finished with. So um, it included a wide variety, you know, drawing, painting, printmaking, sculpture, ceramics, um, all the art history stuff, all the psychology type stuff that goes along with um, the education program. So yeah, I'm very much an interdisciplinary artist still. Um, most of my work now is digital with graphic design, um, but I love doing analog art. So painting and sculpture would be my main things for that. Um, and then also during COVID, um, I trained to be a creativity coach too. Being an interdisciplinary artist, where do you find your inspiration to pursue your next project? I find a lot of inspiration in nature. Um, I find a lot of inspiration in uh, random little things. I feel like my, the thing that makes me happiest is like noticing um, ordinary things that are beautiful and then trying to amplify that somehow through my work. Um, I just made a little sculpture that was um, a, a, basically a, a reliquary for a bird's nest that I had found. And I, I watched this robin build this nest on my uh, kitchen windowsill. And like, it was so much work and she worked, you know, so hard bringing all these things back. And 
a bird's nest up close is really a beautiful little sculpture, right? But it's this thing that's just abandoned at the end. Um, and unfortunately, because it was right by where we do the dishes, she was scared away all the time. And I don't think she laid one egg, but I don't think there was ever a baby born. But I just felt like, man, this is such a beautiful little thing. Wouldn't it be great to be able to preserve this somehow? So I just, I get a small idea and then I become obsessed with it. And I just uh, kind of mull it over repeatedly, repeatedly. So the latest sculpture that I made is called Spring Reliquary. And it's a small box that has this little bird's nest on a little velvet pillow. And it's got a top that opens. And um, I just submitted that to be in a show. So hopefully that'll be out in the public sometime soon. Um, but yeah, um, Beauty in the Ordinary. Um, I find opposites really interesting, you know, cycles. Uh, life and death, all those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I'll often find like a word or an image or even a color. And then it just kind of digs a hole in my brain until I figure out how to make it into something visual. I think that many artists that are probably listening today can certainly relate to that and uh, think about that as similar to their creative process. So uh, appreciate you sharing that and probably relating to many people listening. What is it like being an artist living in Michigan, what are the challenges and opportunities that maybe exist with finding projects to submit to, for whether that's a call for artists or exhibits to be part of or galleries to exhibit within? What is it like and what success have you found by being located here in the great state of Michigan? It's an interesting question. Um, I, for, for many years, was mainly focused on my, my graphic design work. So I've really only been working to show in galleries and find um, bigger projects like, like the Key House um, in the past five years. So the, I'm, I'm still figuring all that out. Um, I think Midland is a really incredible place to be. You know, we've got the Center for the Arts here in town. We've got Creative 360. Studio 23 is right down the road in Bay City. Marshall Fredericks is in Saginaw. And there's a Saginaw Art Museum. Um, it's really a great place to be as an artist in, in my experience. And maybe it's because I'm still a little bit green in, in working my way into to gallery work, but um, there's a shocking amount of opportunity for how small of an area it is. And speaking of opportunities and that project that you just mentioned, you did just work on a really incredible project that was an effort to bring the community together around this artistic concept you had. Tell us about the concept and what you guys recently unveiled. Sure. So I uh, applied for the National Endowment for the Arts, Big Reed, Great Lakes Bay region through Marshall Frederick Sculpture Museum. They had a public art project that I applied for and it was all about, well, the, bo the book for the big read this year was the house on mango street and that's all about community and neighbor neighbors and neighborhoods and things so they asked that the concept be based on neighborhoods um and i actually had another project that i had been obsessing over which you and i actually talked about that one time um and that was with small houses um and i still do want to do that project um but when i saw this opportunity i thought 
rather than having multiple small houses, what if I made a giant house? Um, and I liked the idea of creating a, a house with no doors that was big enough for people to walk through um, and experience and not just be something, you know, that sits in a gallery and you don't touch it, like something that you could actually be a part of. It's kind of a, um, it's kind of a living sculpture. So it's always changing. And it's because of all the different things that I put into it. So the concept is the larger house is representative of the larger community. And then um, I installed a tension wire grid on all of the sides. Well, two of the sides and then the roof. Um, and community members were asked to first donate keys and then come to Creative 360 where it's installed in hang keys. And the keys are representative of individual people in the community with open mind hearts and open doors because you know that's what we really need more of if we want to live in a community where people are actually you know showing up for each other and helping each other we have to be open so when i was working on the concept for this uh originally i just had uh plants growing up in my sketches and i thought there's an opportunity to do more here and i i thought about what different things we could put on it um, and initially I thought about, um, oh, I can't remember the name, but there's the bridge in France where, you know, people come and put locks on it. Um, but locks are really for keeping people out. So I thought, well, what's the opposite of locking people out is letting people in and we can do that with keys. I thought, what a great, um, simple symbol. And everybody's got, you know, a couple of random keys sitting in their kitchen drawer, right? So we had so many people bring keys and drop them off. And um, we had the opening of excuse me, a few weeks ago. And um, it was really fun to see so many people come out and hanging keys and having conversations with each other and walking through the space and enjoying it. And um, it was really um, a dream come true to do that project. You know, I've been doing sculptures on a small scale for a long time, um, but to be able to build something that would one, be permanently installed in our community and two, uh, you know, had the funding to allow me to make it something kind of more grand than I had worked with before. It was really, truly a dream come true. It was a great project to work on. Well, I'd say kudos to you because the artistic concept is really, really neat. And I love the inclusive nature of what you're trying to create through your art and letting the art speak to people um, and move them in different ways, but then also encouraging them to participate and be a part of the sculpture and that it's a living piece that will continue on for many, many, many more years. And so, Annie, what has been the response? What if what has come out of it? Have, you know, conversations started to happen? You know, you mentioned at the event, you know, people are starting to talk and uh, maybe have a little bit more openness with each other. Have you seen any of that, you know, start to bubble up even in the couple of weeks since it's been unveiled? There was a lot of good conversation at the opening. And uh, one thing that I thought was really great was um, Midland does a annual neighboring week through the Midland Area Cultural Awareness Coalition. And some of the people who were at the opening kind of helped with that. And they were like, oh, well, maybe we should do something here for neighboring week. Um, so that made me happy to think that, that it will continue to be a connection point for, for people. Um, I also had a friend say, oh, this will be so cool when the flowers, so the, the plants that we put in the four corners will constantly be growing and eventually it'll be all covered in leaves and flowers. Um, and one of my friends said, 
well, this is going to be a great spot. She's a photographer. So she's like, this will be a great spot for people to come have senior pictures and things like that. And um, I hadn't considered that when I was creating it, but I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool that it can continue to be kind of a, um, a connection point back to people in the community. So, yeah. And taking on a big project like this is a lot of work and certainly your first one, you probably learned a lot. What, what maybe did you learn as part of the pro project and process that uh, you weren't anticipating and how did that maybe shift the outcome of what people see that maybe they don't realize? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, I think being flexible with the outcome is really important and something that is uh, sometimes hard for artists, right? You have a specific vision and sometimes partway through you realize, oh, that's really not going to work <laughs> structurally. Um, so you have to be willing to, to, you know, adjust and, and let the project evolve as you're creating it. I find that with painting too. Sometimes you have a plan, but when the the paint is actually hitting the canvas, it has a different plan for you. And sometimes you gotta just listen to the art and kind of let it lead you where it needs to go. Um, but one thing that really helped me with the key house was my husband is a mechanical engineer. And he, I learned how to weld in college, but he also has that experience. So um, every time I was doing dimensions and drawing things up, he was like my structural integrity guy. <laughs> so like, this is not going to fall on someone, right? Do we have an, is this thick enough? Is the dimensions okay? Are the angles all right? Um, I did a lot more math than I had done in, in many years. Um, so that was interesting too, to have to bust out the Pythagorean theorem to make the roof angles correct. So geometry will come in handy, even if you're an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you talked about the creativity, like uh, extra extrapolating creativity for people in, as part of their process. And that really being a focus of some of your work um, and something that you've been working on for the last couple of years. You know, many people have, creative ideas that are bubbling up in their heads that they would like to do similar to what you mentioned and that people obsess over, right? And I, I have to do this, or I have this incredible concept and I have to bring it to life. Um, how do you find people can find a path to executing that as somebody that has found ways to execute, you know, ideas that you've obsessed over, you know, how do, how does the creative process merge with execution? Um, and what advice do you have for people that are maybe stuck in that creative ideation process, but looking to take their work to the next level? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And I, I have found like through the coaching clients that I do with creativity coaching, that's 90% of people's problem. I think, I think most artists or people who maybe want to be, but don't have the courage, I guess, to try, I think getting out of your own head and just starting on something is the hardest part because there's, you know, fear of failure, fear of judgment. You really have to just let all that go and just try and not be afraid of failing. Um, and I think it's really important when you are doing, you know, going through the ideation phase of idea to just get it all out, right? Write it all down or sketch it all out because most of the time your first idea isn't going to be the best version of the idea. Um, I also think talking through 
your ideas with other artists is really helpful. I know some people um, feel like they got to keep things real close to the chest so nobody like takes their idea, you know, but um, the community, uh, especially with other artists is really powerful and really um, can elevate your ideas, even if it's just one like small suggestion, you know, it can just keep elevating things up and up. Um, but more directly, to move from the idea phase into the actual creation phase, um, it is tricky. I think, and I think a lot of it is just mental. Um, and that people need to get out of their own head and just start. And if you start and it's terrible, you can start again. Um, especially if it's a painting, right? You can just gesso over that bad boy and just totally start over again. Like one thing I say a lot for my, uh, you know, coaching clients is not everything you make has to be gallery worthy. Like make some crappy art, like get it out of your system. Um, you know, be as prolific as you can, like make, make junk because it's going to lead you to, to better stuff. So like one of the kind of mantras that I like to pass on to people is like, if you're feeling stuck or you're fearful about what, um, what your next move is, like I'm big on mantras, right? Like you say things out loud and they become reality, right? So keep putting positive things out there. So the one I like the most is um, I can create without fear because every mark that I make leads me to my best work. So even the crap that you make uh, helps you grow and you can learn from it. So don't be afraid of making bad stuff. Um, let it happen because it'll lead you to better stuff. As part of your creativity coaching, um, tell us a little more about that and specifically like who who do you work with? And if people were wanting to get more information about that, you know, why would they maybe come to you to... Um, approach that to pull out the creativity that's bubbling up inside of them. Sure. Um, so it's kind of funny how I got into it. Um, I had a graphic design client who was doing executive coaching for lawyers and she needed a logo. And so I helped her with that, but she was looking to get more hours under her belt. So as a thank you, she said, can I offer you, you know, like a couple of coaching sessions. And so I did it and it was really interesting because after every session, I was like, it doesn't matter that she's not an artist. A coach just needs to ask the right questions to help people find the answers that they already know in them. Um, and I was like, I, I do this already with my artist friends, right? Like for years, like it's not new. It's just putting it in a, a way that um, people can access when they're not my friend, right? <laughs> um, so it's really helping people like get out of their own way. Um, and I, I think a lot of artists, like you said, they have this big idea, but you don't know how to get there. So it's a lot of um, goal setting and like breaking things down into smaller pieces. So like if an artist is here and they wanna be way up the mountain, they can't just jump all the way up the mountain. You gotta make all these small steps. So um, 
one thing that I'm good at is list making and breaking things down. So helping people like, just what's your next move? What's the right next thing to do? Um, and I find that a lot of people really just um, thrive knowing that I'm going to be checking back in with them. Like, oh, I got to do my homework because Annie's going to be emailing me in a week. Um, so I work with all different kinds of people, um, mostly visual artists, but um, I've worked with a couple of musicians and um, photographers. Um, but it's nice. It's all it's all digital at this point. So I do one-on-one email coaching. And then I just finished my first group coaching, which we just did in a, a private Facebook group. And I really loved that because there were so many moments where, you know, I would ask a question, we'd get a response and have a conversation. And all the other people in the group were like, oh, I feel that exact same way too. So the power of community and artists and knowing and, and everything really, but in this case, artists specifically, um, knowing that you're not alone in your struggles really makes it easier to, to kind of push forward. Um, and it was nice to have everybody kind of encouraging each other. So I don't have a date for the next group session, um, but probably this fall sometime. Um, and if people want more information, my website is paperheartdesign.com. And then there's a coaching button right on the homepage. Well, Annie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, sharing your creative process um, and some of the incredible work that you're doing. Um, if you haven't gone or haven't heard about it, go check out the Keys House project that is up in Midland at the Creative 360. It's an incredible piece. Um, and people can still bring a key and participate as part of the sculpture is still, correct? Yeah, um, we're hoping to get all the keys hung up by October. So by neighboring week is the the plan. Um, I was thinking it would be a forever thing where you can come hang keys forever. But then I realized at some point, the weight of the keys will probably start breaking the wires. <laughs> so um, once all the there, there's key rings in every single square. Um, so once those are all full, then it'll be complete. But there's there's a uh, maybe 25% of the spots left. So yeah, go over to Creative 360 and hang a key. They have keys in the lobby, or if you have your own, bring your own. Either way is great. Well, thanks for inspiring the community. And those across Michigan with this incredible artistic concept. So thanks for joining me today, Annie. Thanks so much for having me.